It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. The Dave Hooker Show. A presentation of Off the Hook Sports. Objective insight, expertise, top guests. Available on YouTube, Apple, Spotify, and the Off the Hook Sports app. Download now for free. Also available on offthehooksports.com. I compute and obey. Now to Dave Hooker. Ready. Today on the program, Tennessee with a new commitment, the state of Tennessee football recruiting, talking some television ratings as well uh, after that commitment. Also, Jimmy Hyams joins us as he does each and every Wednesday and why he's not buying what Shane Beamer had to say about Spencer Rattler before the South Carolina game last year, as a matter of fact. Jimmy used the four-letter word in his column. Bull. Don't give me that bull. So we'll get to that. Have the balls discovered how to use Joe Milton? Five balls to watch for South Carolina and five Gamecocks to watch as well. Caleb, hope you're doing fantastic. Are you ready to get it rolling with today's tough question? I am. I'm as ready as I am for the MLB playoffs, which, by the way, the Yankees and Red Sox will not be in and the Orioles will. So, I don't you know. like you because I'm going to be close <laughs> to Boston, and I was hoping to slide over there, even though I don't like Boston, and I'm a Yankees fan. So Caleb is off to a rough start. Welcome <laughs> on the message board. Be sure and comment on Twitter or via the message board on YouTube, and we will get to it. Today's tough question is now. Today's tough question. Take a side. Take a stand. The Dave Hooker Show, a presentation of offthehooksports.com. All right, I mentioned this a little bit yesterday, and you looked at me kind of sideways, honestly, and 
I think that this is a very apt comparison. Today's tough question, have the Vols discovered how to use Joe Milton? Today's tough question brought to you by Andy Mason Real Estate. Caleb, the comparison to Cam Newton has been out there, but it was never more applicable than that 81-yard touchdown run on the first play of the UTSA game, and it looked very Newton-esque. Now, that's a lot to aspire to. That's Cam Newton was probably the greatest one-year wonder in the history of college football. But there Until are- Joe Burrow. <laughs> oh, Joe Burrow, Joe Burrow. Uh, <laughs> they both accomplished basically the same thing. So it's one of the two. Uh, but that offense was better, you're right, at LSU than, than Auburn's overall. But do you think that Tennessee has discovered how to use Joe Milton? Because I think it was a little simplistic to come out and say, oh, you've got another guy who can throw the ball and run a little bit. He's just Hendon Hooker, too. No, he's not Hendon Hooker, too. He's different on and off the field, and he's a different type of player with different strengths and weaknesses. So your thoughts on the Cam Newton comparisons, and is this a good sign for Tennessee that they seem – and I noticed this in the game, if you if you remember me mentioning on the post game. I noticed this in the game. It seems like they are playing with some things that are different from what they did last year, including the screen pass, which I know drives some people crazy. You had the shovel pass. You had some other things. You had him with the option. I think they're learning how to use him. I think this is a good direction for Tennessee football. I think they knew how to use him. I think Joe Milton didn't know how to didn't know how to use himself. And that's also, where I've been after the whole time. Well, we saw a lot of this in the Florida game where Milton, yes, the pass protection was bad. But part of having the idea of having a 6'5, 240-pound quarterback who can run, by the way, he clocked in, I think, 21.3 miles an hour at, at full acceleration going to the end zone the other day, which is really, really fast. As I think a big part of that is they need to be able to offset a bad line or a struggling line by knowing where to step in the pocket and knowing when to run. Milton has been refusing. I mean, Dave, refusing to take off until that run last week. And that was a designed run. And and so I think that Joe Milton has just been refusing to take advantage of his legs. And this was a big difference between Hendon Hooker and him. Hooker was not afraid to use his legs. Now, I get it. It You don't want to go nefarious, but you have to question, is Joe Milton just trying to make sure he saves himself health-wise for the NFL draft? And that's why he's not keeping his legs. I don't think it's that at all, Caleb. What I think it is, is every quarterback in the past 20 years that I've covered that can run wants to point out that they can beat you from the pocket. Because used to be being able to run the football was a sign that you weren't a complete pocket passer. That, oh, he's he's a runner, too. And I can tell you going back in the day and um, that they used to people used to call newspapers before they had pictures and they would stereotype and say, is the guy black or white? And the implication was if he's black, he runs. If he's white, he's a pocket passer. We now know that is stupid, that there are runners that are white. There are throwers that are black. There was Warren Moon back then who was a pocket passer and couldn't run. So I believe that. um He's fighting the stereotype of a running quarterback is not a pocket passer. And he wants to be the best pocket passer. I don't think it's I don't think it's self-motivated or self-centered. 
I think it's just that he wants to be the best quarterback he can be. And he believes that Tennessee will beat more people from the pocket than they will with him running the football. Or it could just be as simple as making bad reads on the option play at times. I mean, that's very possible too. Look, either way, the, the truth of the matter then is Milton doesn't know what he is. Sorry, Joe. I, I don't know if you want the stereotype or not, but you've got it. Joe has to be able to run the ball. Run well, the and that's the thing. That's a completely dated concept because every best yeah. quarterback in the NFL now can do what? They can run. run for the most part. There's a couple of exceptions, but yeah. A couple, um, but even like the um, the guy Buffalo or Justin Herbert, um, they can all run. They may look like stereotypical stand-in-the-pocket passers when you just look at them standing, but they yeah. can all run. Josh Allen who's, is who I was referring to. It's almost to the point where if you can't run, and somebody needs to tell Joe Milton this, if you can't run, then you might not find a home in the NFL. And that's bizarro talk just 10 years ago. That's true. No, that's a very good point. I still think, though, look, I, I think Milton has to rely on his legs more than other quarterbacks. Other quarterbacks have to be mobile and be able to run to a certain degree. But they can beat you from the pocket. Look, I'm just going to be honest. Milton can't beat you from the pocket. He can't. And he's never going to be that quarterback. He has to rely more on the run, similar to Anthony Richardson, to a certain degree. And, I mean, I just – that doesn't mean you, there's not a spot for you in the NFL. That This and is that what Cam Newton – and that doesn't mean that's a knock. I mean, exactly. even, kind of, even kind of you're saying it like, uh-oh, am I, am I knocking him? You're not. I mean, he no. can run. That's that's incredible. Great. Run, this, Joe. Run. This is the Cam Newton. And by the way, we're comparing him to Cam Newton. Cam Newton, if he had to just beat you from the pocket, would not have lasted two years in the NFL. I mean, the reason Cam Newton was so good was because he was such a threat running the ball. By the way, Cam Newton embraced it. Now, yes. You have a shorter NFL career when you do that. I mean, because you're going to take a lot of hits. And if you can't purely throw from the pocket, you're not going to last as long. But, heck, it's still a 10-year NFL career. And, like, so, for instance, Hinden Hooker. Yes, Hinden Hooker can run. But I think, Dave, you and I both agree. If Hinden Hooker lost his mobility tomorrow, he could still probably turn into a pretty good NFL quarterback. Because he – That's a great point. To- and if, if Joe couldn't, then he's not going to be an NFL quarterback. I would agree right. with that. Yeah. Exactly. And again, that's not a knock on Joe Milton. It's it's who he is. I mean, if 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 Caleb didn't know UT history, then he wouldn't be nearly as good as what he is. If if Caleb didn't know football or I didn't know football, this show wouldn't be nearly as good as what it is, which is award winning. Michael Jordan didn't run a four three forty and wasn't as athletic. He wouldn't be as great of a basketball player. Yeah. <laughs> so, Joe Milton, I think, needs to accept that. And that's interesting you bring up maybe he's not using him himself right, which kind of sounds a little bit funny. It's brought to you by Annie Mason Real Estate. Uh, AnnieMasonRealEstate.com. Best service, best prices in the biz, and it's not even close. AnnieMasonRealEstate.com. He's my realtor. He should be yours. Absolutely love Andy Mason and AnnieMasonRealEstate.com. Now, on the message board said he's an average quarterback, he's not Cam Newton. I think you and I would agree, Caleb, that he's not Cam Newton. I mean, Cam Newton was a pretty special individual, but the comparisons, though, are are still applicable. The only real difference, and this is a big one, if I'm being honest, because they have similar sizes and could be similar. Cam Newton's a little more flu- was a little more fluid of a runner. Cam Newton, he wasn't as accurate. I mean, he wasn't accurate at all, really, but he, just like Joe Milton, but Cam Newton at least had good touch on his throws. That's exactly what and, I was going to say. You read my mind. 
Really? That, yeah. It's, he knew, yeah, he had great touch on his throws, whereas Joe Milton still doesn't have that. But if Joe Milton got the touch on his throws, and I don't know if you can develop that or not, there wouldn't be much difference, guys. I mean, no. it's crazy to say, but there wouldn't. No, it, it is the touch on the ball. Now, if you if you go back and look, Cam threw it with his fingers, and it left his fingers with touch, which, which is exactly what you're saying, and Milton throws a very heavy ball, which has led to the conversation of receivers dropping it, or is it more along the lines of him being off target? That is very debatable. So we've got... Uh, Some five balls to watch for the South Carolina game as we give you a preview. Tennessee, South Carolina, it'll be the dark mode. So five balls to watch. Let's go ahead and get that rolling right now. And it's brought to you by our friends at Zen Sports. Tell you more about Zen Sports. But you've got number five on your list, Jalen McCullough. Jalen McCullough is a guy that you feel like there's another gear for him but he hasn't quite hit it yet. Why is he one of the balls to watch? Well, he's the anchor of the secondary this year as the veteran leader. And look, the secondary has not been tested yet. And the secondary was basically air when they played South Carolina last year. And so if they're going to show any improvement on that, it's going to have to be Jayla McCullough. And so Jayla McCullough is going to have to be the anchor. I'm a believer in Wesley Walker. I know there's hype behind Nico Slaughter, but I think, Jalen McCullough is the guy that's going to have to be the glue guy for the secondary in this game. And yep. so that's why he's the main guy. I would completely agree with that. Then next on your list, you've got Brew McCoy. Completely agree with this. If there's one guy that can help Tennessee get out of an okay day throwing by Joe Milton, it's Brew McCoy. Because here's a guy that you can throw it up to him more times than not. He's going to win the battle physically against his defender. So Brew McCoy at number four before we get to look, scroll. Uh but number four, you got Brew McCoy. Yeah, and outside of last week, and we're going to get to last week, South Carolina, as I'm as I'm going to explain here, they have a transcendently bad def- uh, pass defense. It's terrible. And they have mostly struggled against bigger receivers, tight ends, Kobe Pesor for North Carolina. Uh, Marcus Rosemey Jackson for Georgia. So Rubicoy is that physical receiver. He may not get you 150 yards, but he's you're right. He's always going to be there to make a play. And I don't think South Carolina can cover it. Yep. Before we get to the guy who's named after an animal, uh, we remind you that our five players to watch is brought to you by Zen Sports. Zen Sports, the new sports book in Tennessee, revolutionizing the way you earn sports betting rewards. That means no more deposit bonuses. Uh, that turned into deposit nightmares on Zen Sports. What you see is what you get. And with their cash rewards program, you get a lot of cash. For a welcome bonus, earn an unlimited 5% back on your betting volume for your first 15 days when you sign up with the promo code HOOKED. That's right. HOOKED. Unlimited 5% cash back. Keep betting. Keep earning with up to 3% cash back on your betting volume every month after that. Refer friends to earn a percentage of their betting volume as cash rewards. Who's in sports bringing the cash back to Tennessee? If you bet big on sports, you want to be betting on Zen Sports. Zen Sports betting just got better. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-889-9789. Must be 21 and over to bet in Tennessee. And number three, look, a squirrel. I love saying that. That's my favorite joke. Um, yes, squirrel wide is very important. However, I would say that Brew McCoy, more important in this game, you have squirrel at three, Brew at four. The reason I have Brew at four is because I think he's going to be a really tough matchup 
for South Carolina's uh, secondary, which is horrible. I don't know physically that they have a guy that can match up with Brew McCoy or, for that matter, to your point at number three, Squirrel White. Yeah, I would have had Brew McCoy in, at number three last week, but then last weekend happened. And uh, did you see what Lediatric Griffin from Mississippi State did to South, Car- to South Carolina? I did. I did. Uh, that was a Kelly Washington performance, if I've ever seen one. Yeah, Kelly remind Washington. us. For, for those that didn't see South Carolina last week, and I certainly understand if you don't go out of your way to watch the Gamecocks, just kidding our South Carolina fans, but um, what did you see last week out of State? So Griffin had 10 catches for 256 yards, guys. He's 5'10". And he's a speedster. Runs a 4-3-40. Who on Tennessee is under 6 feet and a speedster at wide receiver? I I think I know the name. I think I I do. Who is that? This guy named Squirrel White. There you go. There you go. He's pretty fast. Uh, by the way, uh, Joe Milton is number two. We talked a lot about him. Some player, uh, some some message board posters questioning if he's more tight as a starter than he was playing loose. Because I want to, I want to address that real quick. It's real easy to play loose in mop up duty when you're playing somebody absolutely horrible as uh, Tennessee was last year when Joe Milton came into the game. So I. I don't know that I would easily draw that conclusion that hey he's playing tight just because he's a starter. I, I don't I don't think that's an issue, Caleb. You you have him at number two on five balls to watch. I don't know. I see him play. I feel like I do see him play tight sometimes, but that's why I want him to get involved. I think he needs to get involved more in the run game. I think if Joe Milton runs some, takes a couple of hits, I think it kind of. This is weird to say, Dave. You could tell me, but I think in football, if you're tight, particularly quarterback, sometimes taking a hit is exactly what you need to kind of loosen up. You know, and I've I've heard quarterbacks say that in the past. I know Peyton Manning, when he came off of his uh, neck injuries or neck surgeries and got to Denver, he played all four preseason games. And they were like, why are you playing all four? He's like, I got to get hit. I got to get hit just so I can I can feel looser when I'm playing once the regular season happens. And yep. I think that so that's why he needs to run so he can get hit, which will loosen him up. I want to get to something that Rocky Top Tom is saying before we get to our number one ball to watch. And. This one may surprise you a little bit, but I think it makes a lot of sense. James Pierce Jr. And I think this is kind of a collective selection from you as well, Caleb. It's the pass rushers who need to show up, and he's the most elite one of the group. So don't want to put words in your mouth, but it feels a little bit like a collective. Hey, pass rushers, freaking do something. That's exactly what it is. The last Florida screen for the pass rushers to show up, they didn't do it. Last year, Tennessee lost to South Carolina, a big reason. Yes, we know the Jimmy Banks thing, but the pass rushers just had an off night that night. They just, it was, they weren't, you said it the night of, Dave, and you were right. Byron Young was not playing with his hair on fire the way he usually does in games. And they have to play with their hair on fire in this one. This game, if they don't get seven sacks in this one, I'm I'm saying, I'm serious. If they don't like, if if Spencer Rattler's not on the ground all the time, I'm going to start calling for some of the edge rusher scholarships to be revoked because this is so such an easy game for them. This is this game is made for them. It's like not sacking Justin Fields, okay? If you're an NFL team, which I don't know if you guys noticed, Justin Fields is getting sacked a lot. This now, game is made. Now, him. this before we get to five Gamecocks to watch. This entire Carolina conversation reminds me so much of last year. This, according to Rocky Top Tom, we're overlooking an opponent who wants to eat our lunch so bad. It does kind of feel like that. 
but I think that the off-field issues were big for Tennessee. Now you have a bit of quarterback issues and you have some other issues, but we didn't know about, I think the conversation leading into South Carolina last year was appropriate because we didn't know about the James Banks issue leading into that this year. Uh, Jeremy Banks, excuse me, James Banks. Yes, he's a receiver. Uh, But Jeremy, we didn't know about that issue leading in. This year, I think, yes, you should be slightly worried. More worried heading into the game about South Carolina this year than last year, even though the Vols lost uh, one side of the fair in Columbia. Does that make sense leading into the game? Because we didn't know about the Jeremy Banks situation. There were three things last week, last year, excuse me. We didn't know about the Jimmy Banks situation. They were overlooking South Carolina because we're all forgetting how bad South Carolina was heading into that moment. At the same time, Tennessee, there was a couple of things on the psyche of Tennessee in, in this game, which is that they were, they, they had a lot more confidence about themselves than they probably have right now. I'm just going to be honest. They had every reason to believe they were amazing when they were going into South Carolina. And they, this was the big one. You forget this. I don't know if you forget this, but people forget this. The day of the South Carolina game, there were about three games that involved college football playoff teams that Tennessee was eyeing because they wanted to get to the playoff. And all those games were close. You don't think those players were watching all of those games intently before they kicked off that night? Sure, I'm, I'm sure they were. Yeah. Yeah. All right. That's so, not going to be a factor in September. Uh, Caleb said it. Seven sacks or he shaves his eyebrows. I'm not Josh Dobbs. I'm not shaving, shaving my eyebrows. Okay. So. Okay. All right. Let's get to the five players that you need to know from South Carolina to keep an eye on. So start me off at number five. Who you got? All right. We're looking at Debo Williams, not Debo Samuel. Debo Williams, a linebacker. I love South that Carolina. Guy. Can I tell you a quick story about uh, Debo Samuels? Sure. Uh, interviewed him at SEC Media Days, and I, he said that he was named after the character on Friday, which is all about smoking pot all day. And I said, well, I mean, you're just 20. When did you first see that movie? And he goes, oh, I used to watch it with my dad all the time when I was like 10 years old. I'm like, okay. It's a legendary movie. It is a I legendary movie. I was about smoking the weed the whole time. Well, also, the Debo, the bully on the bike. Also, Debo Samuel was not the size of Debo. Debo Samuel was a lot skinnier. But I will tell you, though, in person, as far as skill position players, he's one of the guys that I would at least want to fight. He was super thick like traps and just the whole thing i was like that guy looks scary debo williams not thick dave's got a crush debo williams that guy a linebacker but he was short too so uh debo williams at linebacker they just haven't been good in pass defense but but pretty good in run defense and let me point out how bad they are before you talk debo about how bad they are at pass defense first of all they're last in the sec Okay, that's that's bad enough in and of itself. But they are giving up 317 yards passing. The next closest SEC team is Mississippi State at 280. So they're giving up almost 40 yards more per game passing than the next to worst ranked team in pass defense. They cannot stop the pass, period. Thank you. They can't at all. And that's where Debo Williams, the best way to, for them to try to do it is honestly the Tim Banks method of stunts and blitzes and things like that. And Williams at linebacker could do it. He's got three and a half tackles for loss, 31 solo tackle, 31 tackles, 20 solo tackles, which is pretty impressive. So he's kind of their anchor on the defense. So if they're going to do anything, he's going to have to make a lot of plays. 
All right, who you got number four, Caleb, as we break down the five game cocks to watch? Number four is Trey Knox. He's the tight end. Now, Trey Knox had four catches for 53 yards and a touchdown last week. He should have been involved in the passing game before then because he only has 113 yards on the year, but South Carolina has Dowell Loggins as offensive coordinator, so it probably took him, like, studying film for, like, two years to realize, oh, man, maybe I should use the tight end Trey Knox. He's good. Oh, and... is that a new... Hey, everybody, is that a new Caleb voice? Can we, <laughs> can we compare that to the pompous Caleb voice? <laughs> I'm sorry. Da- Dowell yeah. Loggins is... <laughs> like literally didn't know how to didn't realize that he could use a tight end. I, 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 I'm sure he just learned that you, you're allowed to throw to the tight end last week. Sorry guys. Y'all know I'm a Dowell Loggins hater. My, my Titans anger will just rub off, but um, Dowell Loggins did not use him until last week. He's going to use him more this week. Tennessee has questions in the secondary, particularly with Keenan Peely, who is a coverage linebacker him out. You have to question what the tight end will do. And Trey Knox is from Murfreesboro. So you know that they're going to want him to go off. Exactly. So they're going to work and get him because he's from an hour and a half from Knoxville. And his last name is Knox. Well, that's true. By the way, Lane Kiffin. Named after Lane Kiffin's son. Kiffin's first name is Knox. But that had nothing to do with Knoxville. I still remember my gambling. It was a a Brad and Angelina reference because they named one of their kids Knox. Yeah, and I still remember Mike Hamilton saying, me asking him, so do you really believe the Knox name had nothing to do with Knoxville? And he goes, come on, Dave, really? (laughs) Of course it did, which is why I think Lane Kiffin would still be at Tennessee had not the one school come calling. But that's a whole different story. He wanted to see his wife back on the beach at the time, and who wouldn't? (laughs) That's right. Any relation to Kenny Loggins, who, by the way, is the all-time – is the all-time best soundtrack guy for movies, Kenny Loggins. Every, really? every, yeah, yeah. Uh, he had playing with the boys. He had Danger Zone. He had uh, name some others on there on the message board. He had them all. Okay, who's up next, Caleb? Where are we? I've lost track. All right, we're at number three, and we're number going. Three. And this is this again. This is somewhat collective because it's the defensive tackles because Tennessee has massive questions on the interior of their offensive line. Hundred Eric. Um, but, uh, Alex Huntley is the main defensive tackle. He has three sacks on the year. No, I'm sorry. He has two sacks on the year. TJ Sanders leads the team in sacks. He's had one each of the past three games and has been the best defensive tackle. However, Shane Beamer never understands the concept of putting his best players on the field at a time, because that's always been <laughs> Shane Beamer's like, Hey, if you're the best player, you're going to be second on the depth chart. That's his coaching philosophy. But um, yeah, so TJ Sanders couldn't make the list because Shane Beaver won't use him. Tonka Hemingway, another defensive tackle. He was the all-SEC lineman to start the year, but he hasn't been as productive yet. So I'm going to go Alex Huntley, who is starting and has been the most productive of the starters. Kenny Loggins, foot loose. I'm all right. Caddyshack. All right, all I got to right. show you this Kenny Lo- this quick Kenny Loggins story. I don't want to ever- hear a Kenny Loggins story. Did you ever watch Half Faked? Yes, I did. Underrated comedy. The beginning of that movie when uh, one of the guys is working at a music store and a woman asks for $7 for, for him to buy a used Kenny Loggins album. He's like, I'll give you five. She's like, no, he autographed it. She's like, and then he's like, okay, then I'll give you four. It's <laughs> pretty good. Scott <laughs> ranking in. He's got Danger Zone, Top Gun. Did Kenny Loggins ever have a hit that wasn't a soundtrack is a question. I've been looking for the answer to that question for 25 years. Did he have one that years. wasn't in the 80s, in, in an 80s movie? 
Definitely not. Definitely not. Where are we, number he's two? He's the Jamie Kennedy of the 80s. Okay. Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, it, Xavier Leggett at wide receiver. Now, Antoine Wells is obviously out, who torched the balls last year. Amarian Brown torched UT last year, too, and is in the starting lineup, but Leggett is the star. I mean, he's got 27 catches for 556 yards. You're looking at an NFL receiver. He'll test Tennessee secondary like nobody has tested them this year. Rocky Top Tom saying I have to go home and watch Caddyshack. I might do that, too. Pond, pool, pool, pond, pond would be nice for you. Pond would be nice for you. All right, number one, who is the Gamecock to keep an eye on with Spurs up? The Gamecock to keep the eye on is obviously Spencer Rattler. Gotta be. I mean, do I have to really explain this? Gotta be. If he has a big game, Tennessee's in trouble. Um, But, uh, yeah, yeah, we did sneak Kenny Loggins in. Pretty good job, huh? By the way... Uh, Tennessee Cider Company, tnsidercompany.com. Use the promo code HAT, get a free hat, and you can have their cider ship pretty much anywhere in the United States of America. It is simply awesome. Absolutely fantastic, flavorful cider that you can order almost anywhere in the United States of America. Use the promo code HAT, again, HAT, and you'll be well taken care of. We're going to have Mr. Hyams up next. A five-time sports writer in the state of Tennessee of the year. I butchered that. He's just really good. Stay tuned. Jimmy Himes up next as he'll discuss this uh, talk by Shane Beamer that, no, Spencer Rattler was actually good before the Tennessee game. What? And also, playoff formatting is at the top of the conversation for a lot of college football talking heads, so we'll get into that as well. Two minutes. He's Caleb Calhoun. I'm Dave Hooker off Thug Sports family has been creating jewelry since 1986, each piece unique with a story all its own. I'm Rick Terry with Rick Terry Jewelry Designs. I'm a jeweler and I want to be your jeweler. We're grateful that you chose us to be Knoxville's best jeweler. My family and staff look forward to serving you. So please come see us. Kingston Pike and Campbell Station Road in the heart of Farragut and downtown on Gay Street right next to the Tennessee Theater. Hi, Mike Davis here with City Heating and Air, reminding you to always dare to compare. Our team provides quality local heating and air service, installation, and maintenance across East Tennessee. We use only the best equipment like American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning for your residential, new construction, or commercial needs. Honesty, dependability, and customer satisfaction have been the cornerstones of our business since 1961. City Heat and Air. Dare to compare. With all that sun, sand, and salt water, the beach is a very relaxing place. Unless you wear contacts. Ow! Open your eyes to the best the beach has to offer with LASIK Vision Correction from Campbell Cunningham Laser Center. Ah. Do you want to own the more that owns every job? Then get to Vasti Lawn and Garden in Cleveland and get you a Toro. I'm David Vasti, here to talk to you about Toro. With a Toro Zero Turn, you'll get more out of every minute and you'll reach the finish line faster. At Bassey's, we like to say, no matter if you're mowing three acres a week or 11 lawns a day, homeowners and business owners alike find confidence in equipment they can trust from top to bottom. Bassey Lawn and Garden, Highway 60 North in Cleveland. Man alive, it's worth the drive. These mountains hold and defend a spirit far better than moonshine. A drink that holds flavor that becomes necessity. A hard cider made and relished by folk who are as hearty as they are legend. 
a refreshment that can only be found in one place with a taste that makes you say, give me three bottles of the good stuff. Tennessee Cider Company, where necessity can be found. Objective coverage. Hey, that's new. If we get cut, we're going to jail. The Dave Hooker Show, a presentation of Off the Hook Sports. YouTube, Apple, Spotify, and the free Off the Hook Sports app. I'm going to need to see some identification. Back to Dave Hooker. All right, here we go. We love visiting with our Wednesday guest who is phenomenal. It is Jimmy Himes, and you can read his column already. A prediction up for Mr. Himes, and we will get that. It's fantastic having him on. Jimmy's appearance is brought to you in part by Harold Group Security Solutions, leadership experience specialization, addressing problems through unique mission-specific mitigation techniques, also making your children safer one school at a time, heraldgrp.com. And we got a call from the uh, Harold Group Security Solutions. They'd already gotten one call from a, a school. They work with private schools now. We're hoping they can work with public schools to provide security and make your children safer. So we've already gotten... Um, some positive feedback on that, and hopefully we can uh, eliminate the uh, tragedies that we've had to deal with in the past. Again, Harold Group Security Solutions, heraldgrp.com. Mr. Hyams, how are you, sir? Dave, I'm doing great. How are you doing? Never better. Never better. Uh, ready to get rolling here and uh, talk about the four-letter word that you used in your column, bull. And when Jimmy says bull, I know this from experience He's he's dead serious. So your column um, was was pretty interesting about how Shane Beamer tried to tell you that Spencer Rattler. Oh, man, he played fantastic before the Tennessee game last year. And that's when you use the B word, um, which I thought was very appropriate and how you wrote it. Uh, if you can't take me to that conversation at SEC spring meetings. Yeah. So I had a one on one with Shane Beamer and I. I asked him about it. I said, hey, I said, Spencer Rattler, your quarterback, I said he was been inconsistent. He wasn't really playing all that well. He had eight touchdown passes and nine interceptions. Why did it all of a sudden click against Tennessee? And he said, well, well I disagree with you. He said he beat Florida. He beat Kentucky. Of course, in both those games, he had less than 200 yards passing. He said, so statistically, maybe not, it didn't, maybe didn't look so good, but he was playing really well. Uh, yeah, right. So, <laughs> Against Tennessee, he has 400-something yards passing and six touchdowns. Six touchdowns against Tennessee, eight touchdowns in ten previous games. You tell him – I mean, I'm sitting there thinking they're about ready to bench this guy, and Beamer's trying to convince me, no, 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 he was playing well. So that's when I said pull. So anyway, uh, the next game, Rattler plays very well against Clemson. The next game against Notre Dame, he had a good game. They lost. But uh, one thing that, that at least – Beamer acknowledged was they simplified it. They had fewer plays in the playbook and they told Rattler to just settle down, let it go. You've got good receivers. You've got a good tight end and don't worry about making mistakes. And he had a brilliant game against the Tennessee defense. That was uh, eh, pretty bad, right? <laughs> that particular night. I thought Tennessee had three awful games on defense last year. That was one of them. So anyway, I just, uh, and I looked at Rattler's stats on the year and, and, what he did the last three games, maybe threw for well over 1,000 yards in the last three games. He averaged about 340, 350 yards the last three games. How did he do in those other 10 games where Beamer said he played so well? He averaged about uh, 190 yards per game. 
there's a little bit of a difference in those bats. <laughs> Slightly. And I love the fact, too, that in your column he said that uh, he was the first South Carolina quarterback to beat Texas A&M. Like they played every year since 1906. I loved it. Yeah. So that was the second time they played him, I think. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Whoa. Um, but it, but it, and the premise of that is this all the time you hear coaches that don't want to say something that's perceived to be negative about a player or a team. They, they just don't want to go there. They'll sit there and tell you how well a guy's playing when he's not, or they'll give up 50 points in a game on defense. We just had one player out of position on every snap there. Just one. Okay, your defense sucks. So don't give me all this stuff about one player out of position. So, but I, I, I kind of compared that to what Beamer was telling me. He's trying to make excuses for why Rattler wasn't playing well for whatever reason. But when he said they simplified it and they told him to cut it loose, don't worry about making mistakes, trust your talent, uh, that's when Rattler took off. And he's carried that over to this year too. It read too to me like <clears throat> he was partially defending himself and how he was utilizing Rattler. Yeah. I, I think there's something to that as well. Yeah. So, and I, I don't look, I don't know all the ins and outs of it. So maybe Rattler was making all the right calls. Maybe he was on a zone read, making the right read. Maybe he was throwing to the right receiver, but the bottom line is his numbers weren't very good. And he had a lot of games where he was way under 60% passing, uh, but against Tennessee, my goodness, uh, you know, I mentioned the numbers of 438 yards, I think it was passing. And this year, I mean, he had a he's had a he had an eight-quarter stretch where he was 59 of 63. That's ridiculous. And even in the first half against Georgia, I know they got beat, but in the first half against Georgia, he was 16 of 18 for 152 yards. Uh, he had a game against Furman where he was 25 of 27. The guy's on fire. Uh, he, he's the best quarterback in the SEC right now, in my opinion. And Tennessee's going to have a heck of a challenge doing. The key is whether or not they get Juice Wells back at South Carolina. He was in, injured last game. They got an outstanding receiver in Xavier Leggett. Uh, they've got a really good tight end that transferred from uh, Arkansas named Trey Knox. So he's got some nice weapons around him. I, I really, unless this running back I'd never heard of before. I think his name's Anderson. Uh, he had a, he had a nice game last week, uh, but until that, their running game was very pedestrian. Agreed. Yeah, Jimmy, I, I want to know if it – I want to actually do a little – dive a little deeper into Deus theory because I want to know what your thoughts are. Do you think it is possible Shane Beamer was just trying to not say what he knows to be true, which is what Shane Beamer was really telling you without admitting it was, Spencer was fine. I just wasn't smart enough to figure out how to use him until the Tennessee game and because I had no idea how to use this quarterback. And, <laughs> and I mean, just to go there, you guys both covered the 05 Tennessee team Randy Sanders didn't know what to do with Eric Ainge as a sophomore. And so well, I'm, I'm going to push back on you a little bit on that one in 05 because, and I'll tell you the background on that. They opened the competition between Rick Clawson and Eric Ainge. And Clawson clearly won the job. And Fulmer told Sanders, you're playing Ainge. And Sanders was like, well, wait a minute. Clawson won the job. And then the team was behind Clawson, not Ainge. Yep. So that's a little background on what happened there. Uh, and there was a lot of dissension in, in the ranks with that team. So I would hesitate to say Sanders didn't know how to use Ainge. I, I think there was a lot of internal problems at that time, Caleb. I agree. So anyway, go ahead. I, I think that I think that Philip Fulmer didn't trust Randy Sanders like he trusted David Cutcliffe. 
Well, that's true. That is true. But it, but it was clear to everybody that Clawson won the job, including the players. And when Fulmer said, nope, we're going with Ainge, there was a, a revolt. Anyway, yeah. go ahead, Caleb. No, that, no that there was. S.C. So Scott guy says it wasn't Shane. It was Marcus Satterfield. Shane was uh, too loyal to him. He was the best man at his at his wedding. Maybe. Um, by the way, best man at that wedding it's kind of hard not to look at the bride who they put up on the television for a good three or four minutes. Uh, Shane Beamer's doing pretty well for himself, Jimmy. Uh, yes, he is. Maybe he was distracted most of the season. Who knows? <laughs> well, I guess that's what I'm getting at. Either Shane Beamer or Marcus Satterfield, what he's doing is he's covering for one of them. With that. He didn't want to – what do you think of the philosophy that he just didn't want to say to you personally, I didn't know how to use him. I don't know football that well, and I didn't know what to do with him. The, the, the thing about that that – I would say would be unlikely is that he had him at Oklahoma. How could he not know how to use him? So maybe what you say is true, but that's ridiculous to, to not know how to use a guy when you brought him in from Oklahoma where you were an assistant coach and you were the coordinator. So he should have known how to use him. I just think Rattler wasn't playing well for whatever reason. And, and I don't know all the ins and outs of what was going on. I was sitting there thinking at one time, Caleb, I thought they were going to bench the guy because he wasn't playing very well. And his numbers weren't any good. And then all of a sudden, uh, Tennessee gave him a proper dose of medicine, and he got well in a hurry. (laughs) So, Jimmy, your prediction column is out, and we want to talk to you about that on a Wednesday. But uh, that's just fine because you like Tennessee, but not to cover. Pretty tight game, in your opinion. Why? Because Tennessee's defense is going to give up 400 yards passing to Spencer Rattler. That's why. Some Whoever wins this game, in my opinion, has to score in the 30s. I am not sold on Tennessee's secondary yet. Uh, I, and Rattler was, has been red hot. I watched the Mississippi State game. I think I'm right about this. I think he was 15 for 15 in the first half against Mississippi State. And Tennessee can't cover Xavier Leggett. They're going to have trouble with the tight end. And if, and if South Carolina has Juice Wells, look out. So I, I just don't see where Tennessee – now, here's here's how they could contain him. North Carolina had nine sacks against Rattler. Georgia had three, and guys, somebody else had four. Uh, Mississippi State. Mississippi State had four against him. So he's been sacked 17 times, and Tennessee has 16 sacks. So if they can get to him, sack him, pressure, hurry him, force him into bad throws, they got a chance. But now he's also pretty good rolling out. He's an accurate thrower when he's on the run left or right. So I just don't see Tennessee's defense stopping South Carolina. And we've all seen this. Tennessee on offense has been prone to lulls during the course of a game. Now, if you want to defend Joe Milton during his lull, he had the the knee injury, came out with a knee brace. Uh, After that injury, he was one out of nine, and he had a one for 12 stretch. You you do that against South Carolina, you're probably going to get beat. But they've been prone to lulls, which means I think South Carolina is going to stay with them. So I, I think it's going to be a high-scoring game, close game, and I I would be very surprised if South Carolina doesn't cover. Yep. All right, good stuff. Let's get to a bigger picture question that will affect the balls very soon, I believe, and it is uh, talk of the college football playoff. This from Dennis Dodd leads us to what the H? And it's brought to you by Rick Terry Jewelry Design. What the what was he thinking? Release the hounds. The Dave Hooker Show. Keep cool. A presentation of offthehooksports.com. 
I learned from Jimmy Himes that there's no need in knocking other journalists. So I'm not going to point out the fact that Dennis Dodd also reported that there were whispers that Nico wasn't worth the money. But despite that, <laughs> now, now report that uh, from Dennis Dodd of CBS Sports that they're going to stick with the format that they talked about, which includes six conference champions. I guess the Pac-3 will fight amongst themselves, Jimmy. How can you still give the Pac-12, unless they do something drastically good in the near future, how can you still give them an automatic berth? Especially if they become the Pac-1. <laughs> you automatically get in. You just sit out the season and you make it. Well, you got to win three games, okay? Let's be real. We got to have some you know, integrity with this. So three wins get you in. Um, I don't think they can stick with six under the current situation of the Pac-12. Maybe, maybe what happens is the Pac-12 annexes the Mountain West or the, or the Pac-12 teams that have no home go to the Mountain West and then the Mountain West becomes one of those conferences. But at this time, I see five conferences. Now, and I think this is all talk right now. I think this is all talk. I, I think there will be some settlement that will be made uh, before – the season before next season when they implement the 12 team playoff. So they may be saying they're going to stick with six right now, but I think that is um, flexible. Uh, Jimmy. So, Oh, sorry, David. We're going to go. So I'm still, I don't know where you land on this, but I'm still of the mindset that the ACC is going to fold before next year, or it's going to happen. What's what happened to the PAC 12 will happen to the ACC. Don't know when, because I know they got that grant of rights field till 2036. But I just don't think that's as ironclad as everybody says it is. So when that happens, though, you really will have a power three, Big 12, Big 10, and SEC. At some point, isn't the playoff just going to have to take the top four conference champions if they're going to actually make the regular season matter at all, rather than the top five or six? Under your scenario, uh, yes. Uh, but one, one of the things I'm having trouble with is where are all these ACC teams going to go? Where are they going to go? Well, I think there's going to be a bidding war for North Carolina between the SEC and Big Ten. I think both conferences want North Carolina. I think there's going to be a bidding war for Virginia. Virginia is a top 20 revenue producing school in college athletics right now. And so I think those two have a home. I think Miami has a home in the Big Ten. And Florida State and Clemson have homes in the SEC. I think so those five sixes are pretty set. And then you maybe NC State, Georgia Tech could go to the Big 12, Duke, those schools. Well, I can't believe you would think the Big Ten would expand all the way to Miami. I mean, they like to keep things close-knit, okay? Why would, they, why would they go to South Florida? I mean, that doesn't make any geographical sense, Caleb. Oh, you're right. I forgot. Yeah. The, they're just a Midwestern conference. Hey, you want to hear something that I said, like, when all this conference uh, realignment started uh, that sounded crazy and people called me an absolute idiot? What about if the SEC targeted North Carolina and Duke? Duke has a respectable football program, and then suddenly, bingo, bango, you're not only the football conference, you're the basketball conference as well. Well, that is interesting. Uh, you would also think that they might, if they, if, and I think they would target North Carolina, uh, Florida State, somebody else you would think about there, there are other schools you would think about Duke what didn't come to mind immediately and I get your point about basketball 
about because uh, they're really good. The SEC is pretty good in basketball right now. They'd be mm-hmm. even better when they get Duke, okay, and North Carolina. But what a boost that would be to your conference in basketball. So maybe they do go in that direction. And Mike Elko's done a terrific job at Duke. I mean, they, people forget last year they won nine games and they got 17 starters back, and they just whipped Clemson, soundly whipped Clemson. So uh, they are on the rise. They've done a nice job. Maybe that's the direction they go. I know that Sankey does not want to expand. But I think his hand is going to be forced, mm-hmm. and he's not going to have much of a much of an option on this. So he's going to have to add some teams. But I I think he would prefer. He even said at the uh, in Nashville, Dave, and you were there. I'm sure you heard at the at the uh, football media days where he said that that he wanted things to settle down. That he wanted the SEC to stay at 16 for the next few years, and then like two days later, uh, there was an announcement that two other teams were leaving the Pac-12, going to the Big Ten. So. Uh, that didn't take long. Uh, his uh, his settling down for a few years lasted about two days. So I, there there's going there'll be more shifts probably, and I think that'll force the SEC to expand. Jimmy, going there, I I, I, I try to be diplomatic, but Dave knows where I stand on this. It seems to me that Greg Sinke wasn't really forward thinking and just Texas and Oklahoma reached out to him and like, who's going to say no when Texas and Oklahoma reach out to you. Mm-hmm. But it, I mean, he's getting caught flat footed with big 10 expanding and he got caught flat footed on the TV contracts. I mean, let's just be honest. The big 10 has a seven year deal worth 7 billion. The sec has a 10 year deal worth 3 billion. Mm-hmm. And isn't that going to in the long run in the age of NAL, make the big 10 more competitive because they now have more money to, for boosters to throw at athletes, you have more money to hire good coaches, things like that. First off, the assumption that boosters would throw money at athletes is absurd, Caleb. No, no better than that. Especially not Dante Thornton. Yeah, I, I yeah. wouldn't because he wouldn't catch it. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't enough money. He dropped it. Um, yeah, Caleb, I think that's a really good point, in particular on the TV contracts. I think you're exactly right about that. The Big Ten did a seven-year deal. The SEC didn't need to do a 10-year deal, shouldn't have done a 10-year deal. Now they're trapped with that contract. contract. Now, here's here's what I don't know about it. If the SEC adds two teams, can they tear up that contract and say, we want more? Flip side of that, how's ESPN and ABC doing financially? Not very well. They are. So they're not going to pony up a whole lot more money. They would not give the SEC more money when the SEC said, hey, if we add another conference game, we go from eight to nine conference games, you pay us more money. They, they, ESPN said no, which is one reason they're fighting about eight versus nine. That's a money issue, and the, and, and the SEC is trying to negotiate more money out of that. So, Caleb, I'm exactly right about this TV deal. and uh, but, but also in terms of Sankey, and, and his bosses are these presidents and – so forth. I, I don't think the SEC wants to expand anymore. I, I think it's a collective feeling that we don't need to be adding teams. I don't like the way this is going. But as I mentioned earlier, I think their hand is going to be is going to be forced to add more teams, uh, like you're saying. So I think the SEC ultimately will probably get to 20 teams. I think that's really rich given the fact that the SEC drove expansion before any other conference did it back in 1992. <laughs> yeah, they added two teams in 92 and then they added two more teams about uh, 20 years later. So yeah, you're you're right. It's uh, yeah, they they drove expansion. Now they're like, let's put on the brakes. 
They're so, the ones who destroyed the Southwest Conference. Like the SEC literally is the reason the Southwest Conference, the hundred-year-old conference, dissolved. That's their fault. <laughs> well, at least now, Jimmy, they own that St. Louis television market. Oh boy. <laughs> That's been gosh. very lucrative for them, hasn't it? Missouri, the worst ad in the history of conference. No, yeah. Rutgers to the Big Ten is the worst okay, ad that's in the history. Fair. <laughs> <laughs> they got the they thought the New York market as if New York living on the East Coast, New York City people don't care about college sports. It was just a dumb move. Nobody watches Rutgers in New Jersey. Much <laughs> less New York. No. I bet you there I bet you there are more Rams fans in St. Louis than there are Missouri Tigers fans. Oh yeah. Yeah. Like rooting the Rams the, aren't even there anymore. Yeah. They're rooting for the <laughs> LA Rams. Uh last thing I got for you, and portions of the program are brought to you by Campbell Cunningham, Taylor, and Han. Enjoy life when you see better. Look at me, no glasses, no contacts, local vision service for LASIK cataract surgery and regular eye examination, go to ccteyes.com, and they bring you the ball report with Jacob Warren, which we'll have up on the YouTube channel later this afternoon. Jimmy, if I put the over-under at two years, so going into the 24, 25, going into the 26th season, and you had to bet that there will be a mega conference which stands apart from the rest of the division one NCAA schools or not, which would you bet? I'm going to bet. I'm going to bet against a mega conference. And, and here's why it's the TV contracts already in place. I think that is going to preclude them from doing that. Why would the big 10 tear it up and say, Hey, let's, let's break away. They they're, they're in great shape financially. There would be some people that would prefer that. Now, having said that, I never thought USC and UCLA would be in the Big Ten or <laughs> Rutgers. So I didn't see a lot of this coming. And so maybe I'm not very good at being a visionary, but I'm going to say the TV contracts are going to hold up going to a mega conference. And you still need a governing body. I mean, look, I think the NCAA has done a lot of stupid things. Well, who are, what's the NCAA? It's the member schools. It's the member institutions that are voting on this stuff. Uh, so I, I'm going to say I don't think they're going to go there, but I'm not going to say it with much confidence. And the reason being the TV contracts, I think, will preclude it. Give me great stuff as always. We appreciate you. Have a fantastic day. Dave, I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you, Caleb. Y'all have a great day as well. Thank you, Jimmy Himes. And we got somebody on the message board said should go after Hawaii. That's absolutely right if I were still working for another company, but I can't fund a trip to Hawaii and you know, I'd have to Caleb. Well, we'll have to just, and you know, they put sec media days in there one year just to like show it. (laughs) Could you imagine if they put sec media days in Hawaii? Uh, Ah, find a way to make that happen. I will say though, basically Jimmy say what, what, what deal is worse? The deal Scotty Pippen signed with the bulls in 1991 or the SEC deal with ESPN. Who got fleeced harder? that one by the way i'm curious to this uh on people in the message board i'm making the break this week okay so bear bear with me for a second because i'm watching college game day and i don't know about you caleb but we talked about espn struggling i'm watching college college game day and listen i got a lot of respect for pat mcafee and what he's done and what he's built and turning down a 1.4 million dollar contract to be a punter in the nfl to start his own podcast trust me ton of respect but 
it, it was he kept saying instead of touchdown Jesus, touchdown Jesus Christ, and then at one, which is I thought I thought slightly offensive, and then at one point they uh, he's walking through the crowd, and they said uh, they said hey he is um, um, you said you better watch your hands they're Catholics referring to underage child abuse. I'm making the move, actually, and I never thought I would say this after 20 years, to whatever it's called, that big kickoff show on Fox, because that ESPN show is struggling. And I think Reese Davis and Herb Street are fantastic, but it goes to your point about ESPN struggling of not having the talent to go out there and get a wow guy. You can't tell me that Pat McAfee wasn't a deal. They got to deal with Pat McAfee, who how somebody didn't say it's not touchdown Jesus Christ during a break is beyond me. It's never been referred to as that. I've been there. Uh, Caleb, I'm actually making the switch and it breaks my heart. And because I thought that show was so good for such a long time. Also, Darius Rucker redoing the Big and Rich song frustrated me, but. Did you first of all, Bubba Sparks had the best song for college game day back in the mud? Okay, y'all need to go back and listen to that one. I don't remember that, but did you did you notice any of that? I don't want to get too off off topic, but uh, I did. I actually, (laughs) live says game day has become MTV's TRL SEC. Okay, so I need to move to the SEC show. That's a couple of people that say. I'm going to push back on McAfee, though. Look, McAfee made what I think McAfee was being sarcastic with the touchdown Jesus Christ because, like, there's the whole joke of Notre Dame believing that Jesus is a Notre Dame fan. And by the way, Johnny Majors, when when, when Tennessee beat Notre Dame in 91, go back and watch the Johnny Majors show, just railed against the culture of Notre Dame and their holier than thou attitude. And at one point, he did when, when Notre Dame missed the field goal to win, he told a story of a trainer named Max Parrot. I, I actually remember the name. Where, oh, no, Max. Yeah. where apparently Max was asked reportedly, what were you doing when Notre Dame kicked that field goal? And he said, I was watching touchdown Jesus and he was doing this. And so there's the a lot of sign for those on our no, audio. It, no good. A no good sign. No good. Field goal is no good. Yeah. So there's a lot of, yeah, it was I think what McAfee was doing was a joke. There's a lot of annoyance. There's always been an annoyance that Notre Dame feels like they're God's team. Okay. Not, not America's team like Dallas. They think they're God's team. Yeah, but I just think the whole show lacks pop. And also, before you go with the whole McAfee off-color joke about the church, maybe you didn't like it, but Big Noon Kickoff has a guy who actually covered up for a woman beater on his team. Uh, and so, you Well, they're going to go with the SEC show, that that's better. So, um, yeah, I'm not against McAfee as a whole. I want to be clear, but you can't tell me that he wasn't a deal. You can't tell me that he was cheaper than – Urban Meyer, who you don't talk about morals, they, they ain't great, but <clears throat> still. And McAfee is still like, he's so brazen because Brett Favre is suing him right now. And McAfee just goes, come on, sue me. Just dares him to sue him. Why yeah. is Brett Favre suing him? Because Matt, he Brett Favre says he was defamed and McAfee reported on the fact that Brett Favre was stealing from welfare funds in Mississippi, oh which gosh. by the way, he was. Yeah. All right. All right. We got to talk some crouton. We next. might get to about Brett Favre now too, by the way. So just watch. Tennessee that. picks up a commitment. The state of the Vols 2024 class and more. Hang with me for 90 seconds. You're going to get the latest info on Tennessee Vols recruiting. Poor Tennis, I was I was really heavy into the drug culture. Um, I 
was selling drugs. I was just constantly in pain. I was missing like a good support system in my life. Chaos has given me everything that I need in order to successfully have a wonderful recovery, in order to have a life that I didn't even know was possible. And it's not just about me anymore. And I love that. I absolutely love it. You can take your life back. Call Cadis today. With all that sun, sand, and salt water, the beach is a very relaxing place. Unless you wear contacts. Ow! Open your eyes to the best the beach has to offer with LASIK Vision Correction from Campbell Cunningham Laser Center. Sports Treasures in North Knoxville is one of the South's largest sports cards and memorabilia dealers featuring over 10 million sports cards from vintage to modern. Sports Treasures carries a full line of hobby boxes, singles, autographed memorabilia, Tennessee ball collectibles, fan cave decorations, and so much more. See a museum full of collectibles at Sports Treasures, 4819 North Broadway in Fountain City, and Sports Treasures on Facebook. Sports Treasures, where the real sports fan goes to shop. Um, who's this guy? Hello, wizard. The Dave Hooker Show. Ooh. A presentation of Off the Hook Sports. What? YouTube, Apple, Spotify, and the free Off the Hook Sports app. Back to Dave Hooker. Elias agrees with me. I think game day is a bit too much fluff now. No fluff here <clears throat> as we're going to dive into recruiting. We're, we're at our 3.45 a.m. Uh, production meeting, and we we're talking about uh, recruiting and coverage is brought to you today by City Heating and Air Conditioning, 50 years in East Tennessee. Integrity matters. Don't trust a fly-by-night HVAC company to tell you that you need a new unit that could cost thousands of dollars. Support our sponsors. They're all right below. That's why we're here, and we wouldn't be here without them. So if you need an HVAC company in the East Tennessee area, it is City Heating and Air Conditioning. Tell them that Off the Hook sent you. So we're discussing... Tennessee recruiting and uh, Caleb was was all about Tennessee's newest commitment and the question he had is it too early to start recruiting prospects because this is a 2026 prospect so we're going to get into that and the state of Tennessee football recruiting but Caleb if you can tell me about Tennessee's uh, latest commitment Mr. Whitehead an athlete that uh, is impressive enough to get an offer and a committable offer uh, this early in the process. What do you think of Tennessee's pickup? And then we'll get to, is it too early to start recruiting prospects? Well, speaking of Brett Favre, this is a Mississippi Gulf Coast kid. (laughs) Thank you. Um, And so he, his name is, yeah, Sheroid Whitehead. He is an athlete. He has played quarterback, running back, receiver, and return specialist as a freshman last year at Ocean Springs High School. And he had 34 total touchdowns as a true freshman. 5'9", roughly 175 pounds. I don't pay any attention to that. He was a freshman. You know he's obviously going to get bigger. The question is how much bigger is he going to get height and and weight-wise. He was already fielding offers, and this is what threw me off. This wasn't some desperation ad. Florida State, Penn State. TCU and Ole Miss had all already offered him. So it wasn't like Tennessee got him out of nowhere. And Tennessee offered him after those schools. Tennessee wasn't even in his top six in July. They come and offer him in August, and he commits in September, which is kind of telling as a 2026 prospect. That is a good sign for Josh Heupel and the idea that maybe Josh Heupel does have some chops on the recruiting trail. But we don't know what he's going to grow into. 
We don't, which leads us to four downs. Four downs. Four questions. Four answers. The Dave Hooker Show. Four. Four. Four downs. A presentation of OffTheHookSports.com. All right, let's talk some recruiting. Four downs brought to you by Sports Treasures, carrying over 5 million sports treasures and so much more. Follow on Facebook for the best sports memorabilia. Daily updates. Just go on Facebook, Sports Treasures TN, Sports Treasures TN. Dot com. All right, so uh, the one, the only Cooper Mays, who uh, is a fantastic individual and up on YouTube right now, is going to set us up with the downs. Coop, what should people do? Cooper Mays here. Hit like and subscribe. Hey, by the way, we're close to a, a big number that we want to achieve here quickly. So uh, as far as our YouTube subscribers, so do me a favor. If you like the show, just tell somebody today. Tell one person. And I would greatly appreciate that as we grow this thing. Again, support our sponsors that are down below. That's why we are here. So, Coop, what down? Coop here. First down. Is it too early, Caleb, to recruit this young man, Mr. Whitehead, because he is 2026? What say you? I want to say no, but... I, that's a broader philosophy for me because I just don't think college coaches should be allowed to recruit people this early. But honestly, I don't think it's too early at this point. If if you if, if all these other schools are offering him, then they obviously see something in him. So I can't really knock Josh Heupel for doing it. You know why I would say no? And this would have been a different answer 20 years ago or 10 years ago, possibly. But nowadays with the transfer portal and how things play in the players' favor – more times than not, they could just pull his commitment if something happened, if he didn't grow into the player that they thought. And really, even back in the day, you didn't have to pull a commitment. I'll give you a little bit of insight. Here's the way if a guy, let's say, had a terrible summer at, before his senior year and you had already accepted an offer from him, here's what you do. You just stop calling him and he'll get the hint. Nowadays, though, you can just call and say, I don't think it's a good fit for you. And the high school coach isn't going to burn you forever as he would have in the past. That used to be a big deal. You couldn't go back and recruit in a school that you basically told a guy he couldn't come. So nowadays, that was committed. So nowadays, it's not a big deal. I, I it, wouldn't, it wouldn't bother me whatsoever if Tennessee had five commitments for the 2027 class. Because at the end of the day, a commitment's not what it once was on the school's end, Caleb. Yeah, and they probably have resources now where they can estimate based on players like just their body type, what they will grow into. I mean, look, this was, I don't know if you were, Dave, but I was following Arch Manning when he was in middle school. And he was already being branded as the best all-around Manning to ever come out of high school. And I mean, he's, for those who don't know, Arch Manning is the best Manning prospect ever coming out of high school. It's not, I mean, Peyton and Eli weren't even close to that level coming out. And they knew that about him when he was in eighth grade. Wow. So, uh, Peyton was pretty good now. Peyton was highly touted, yes. But Arch Manning is literally seen as a combination of Eli's arm and Cooper's mobility. Or Archie's mobility. Which is, no Manning's ever had that. And, by the way, I said with Peyton, Peyton had the second best arm. And not great mobility, just had incredible intelligence, which you can't measure intelligence in recruits coming out of high school. That's not something anybody ever measures in recruits in football IQ. 
Oh, our friend SC Scout guy saying, Dave, you'll be happy to know that Jay Phillips from 107.5 in Columbia has been telling people every day this week to go and check out your show on the air. Well, that's pretty awesome, Jay. And you know what that got you? That got you some extra work because we'll ask you to be on the show later this week. <laughs> so it's Jay is a, a fantastic guy. You met him at SEC Media Days, right? I believe I did, yes. It was it's kind of a blur the first time. Uh, what down is it, Coop? Cooper Mays here. Second down. Okay, as far as commitments, who should Tennessee be the most worried about? I can't come up with even a close second to Boo Carter. I mean, he went to Colorado. He's changed high schools. I mean, that to me is the one that if it didn't stick, I would have zero surprise. Yeah, it's probably Boo Carter. But I, you know, if you get called up in the Colorado hype and you see how far away they actually are after that Oregon game, which he probably did, maybe that changes things a little bit because Oregon wasn't just out. And they're not the only team, by the way, in college football that's out to do this. They didn't, they didn't just beat Colorado. They humiliated Colorado. And I'm a believer in Deion Sanders and what he's doing, but I think the hype will continue to fall off because the truth of the matter is guys, he didn't play anybody good his first three weeks. I don't care what you say about TCU. They had my brother texted me about this recently. They had 20 years of luck rolled into one season to get to that national title game. And they don't even have the same team anymore. And they lost their offensive coordinator. This is not a good TCU football team. So Colorado hasn't beaten anybody worth their salt yet. Pretty good point. Um, Tennessee's most likely commitment is what down Coop? Tennessee center Cooper Mays here. Third down. All right. Most likely commitment. I'm going to throw a couple at you and uh, see what you think because they're both visiting this week. I'm going to start with Daniel Hill, who is an athlete. What I'm hearing is that he could be a Tennessee's next commitment. Now, you have South Carolina that's in the mix, so he's scheduled to take his official visit at a very interesting time. Who is recruiting him from South Carolina? Do you want to guess? Former Tennessee running back, Caleb? Jay Graham? Montario Hardesty. You're right. Montario Hardesty is at South Carolina. That's right. Yeah. And so Alabama with a guy named Robert Gillespie, you might remember his name as well, is is in the mix. So those are the three schools that I'm told are are primarily in the hut. But I think they've got a great chance for him. That is Daniel Hill. He is out of Meridian, Mississippi. It's interesting to me that somewhat Auburn and Arkansas have been in the mix, but Ole Miss really isn't. So this looks like a kid who's ready to leave, and you would want to pull him, I would think, primarily away from Alabama. But I always looked at that early in a guy's uh, uh, recruiting process. Is he looking at schools that he really wants to leave, or does he end up just staying at the in-state school? So I would look at this and say he's looking to stay at the in-state school. All right, so another one, Cameron Michael, an athlete out of Statesboro, Georgia. Here is his list, and it's interesting. Little Dion, Colorado, Georgia, Kentucky, South Carolina, Tennessee. These are the guys, in my opinion, that Colorado is going to miss out on and ultimately may undermine Deion Sanders because look at his other four schools. They're all in the Southeast. He is from Statesboro, Georgia. He's six foot one, 181 pounds. This would be a monster get. Kelsey Pope recruiting him for Tennessee schedule to take his official this weekend. He is a four-star player. Be a huge get, Caleb. Oh, it would be a gigantic get. And this is where the big test is. How is Dion is Dion going to win these battles for these type of guys? Because one of the things I love about Dion Sanders in Colorado, and people can hate it all day, I love the 
if you ever watch his interviews, he's refreshingly honest. In an era where coaches are so cagey and lie all the time, Deion Sanders does not lie at all in his press conferences. And he straight up said, before the Oregon game, he said, look, I am a bunch of linemen away from competing for from competing at the highest level. And he's right. He is. And where are you going to get those guys? Going to get them in the South. And I, the thing is, the, the one thing I will say is a guy – um, like Cameron Michael is somebody who Dion probably could have more success with than guys in the trenches. But I still, I, I still think somebody like Colorado is going to have to show more. I think location is still a factor for recruits. You guys may disagree with me on this. Maybe I'm crazy, but I think a lot of kids like to stay close to home when they're playing college football. I think a lot of people want to play in the SEC too. I mean, if Colorado was suddenly a part of the SEC, then we'd be having a different conversation now. Uh, Daniel Hill is all in for SC, that according to SC uh, scout guy. And then bring Hardesty home. Anything happened to Jerry Mack? Do you think Hardesty would get a phone call? Do you think if Jerry Mack got a job elsewhere that – because you and I have said it before. You don't have to be a a great – and I'm not knocking Montario as a coach – but you talk about a guy who gave his all for Tennessee, had two bad knees. He's the first guy I've ever covered that I said, how's your knee? And he goes, which one? Um, so he gave his all for Tennessee. He has South Carolina ties. He's proven he could coach. He's got a work ethic. Yeah. I mean, well, I tell you, I'm not big into the former players just for the sake of it. But I can tell you from an integrity standpoint, Montario Hardesty is the top. So I'm not. I'm not trying to get anybody out of a job, but if Tennessee had an opening, especially at running backs where you're primarily re- a recruiter, I'd call Montario Hardesty probably before I'd call T Martin. Yeah, there was it, Dave, you were more tight in, so you probably didn't realize it because I, I knew a lot of fans that were there was a lot of anger that Hardesty did not play as much as he did until 2009. And a lot of people see that as an indictment on Fulmore. You're right, it was Hardesty was wrecked like consistently through injuries. But look, put it this way. People liked Ontario Hardesty a lot better, a lot more than they like Darian Foster in Tennessee. Yeah. And I'll, I'll go ahead and tell you, Ontario Hardesty, because he gave his all for Tennessee cost himself perhaps millions, if not at least a million, because he play he continued to play on knees that were absolutely wrecked. And I guarantee you that was an issue in the combine because the most important thing in the combine is the the testing and what they do with the physical examinations. And I can guarantee you his knees weren't good. What down, Coop? All SEC center Cooper Mays here, fourth down. Can Tennessee stay in the top ten? Right now they're number nine. Yes, they can, and they absolutely have to. They have to be a top ten recruiting team year in and year out uh, and really need to be a little bit better than that, but – I think Tennessee, unless something were to bottom out on the field, will be a top 10 recruiting team under Josh Heupel. I think he realizes the importance of that. We have seen with the transfer portal that it's hit and miss. So, yes, I think they'll be, when we're having this conversation in January, I'm sorry, December and January and February, that Tennessee will be a top 10 team in recruiting. I have a little doubt about that, as a matter of fact. I don't have much doubt about it either. I think the Florida game may have hurt a little bit, but I don't think it's going to hurt much because Tennessee and Florida aren't recruiting similar prospects. And I'm going to talk about this maybe tomorrow or Friday, but the only way they don't stay in the top 10 is if they lose this game on Saturday. 
this is the biggest game of the year for recruiting purposes. There's not a close second. I, I, well, there's not a close second. If you lose this game, you'd be looking at potentially four losses with Alabama and Georgia having, uh-huh. I believe, better better rosters at this time. But that is and by the way, with Clemson declining, the time is right for the picking for South Carolina players. Oh, absolutely. Tennessee needs to Tennessee needs to cash in. I, I agree hundred percent. Now, for the record, if you project forward to when Oklahoma and Texas enter the SEC, they're behind Georgia, Florida, Alabama, Texas A and M, Oklahoma. So you're looking at sixth in the SEC. I think if you're really going to compete for championships and be the better team that steps on the field, not the team that out coaches, which I think they were last year to a large extent, but the better roster, one to 85, I think that you had better be in the top three in recruiting within the conference year in and year out. They're going to jump two of those teams for the year's end. Book it. They're going to jump Texas A&M. Guys, Texas A&M just lost their quarterback for the year. They are having a – the Jimbo Fisher train is about to derail completely. You keep that. saying that. I'm still sticking with it. I'm still sticking with it. It's going to derail, and they'll suffer a wave of decommitments. Oklahoma, on the other hand, Brett Venables is nothing but fool's gold right now, Dave. I'm just going to say that right up front. I Brett Venables I'm, I'm 100% with you on that. Brent Venables is – I say this all the time. When a defensive coordinator takes forever to get his first head coaching job, even an offer, there's a reason. You brought this up. There was a reason John Chavis never got a head, a real head coaching offer at Tennessee. Brent Venables is the John Chavis of Clemson. That's what he was. <laughs> I don't really know exactly how to address that as I – John Chavis is not a big fan of mine. So let's just move on. The one person you probably won't hear on the Celebrate 98 series. Well, if you do, it'll be Caleb Calhoun with Fred White and John Chavis. Um, I don't think you'll you'll see Dave, Fred, and John anymore. I'm not knocking Chavis the defensive I'm not coordinator. Saying you I'm, are. Just saying. I'm just I'm just saying I've gone down that road and I'm good. <laughs> There's a there were red flags all over with Brent Venables being hired at Oklahoma. And Oklahoma's 4-0 right now. They haven't played a soul when they do. They're still going eight and four this year, something like that. One of the things that we love to take a look at television ratings and television ratings. There was an oddity uh, last week. Uh, Caleb, tell us about it because I think it says something about college football and their status among the other top sports in, in the United States of America. So tell me about these uh, television ratings. So this comes from Michael Mulvey-Hill, who is an insights and analytics guy for Fox TV, Fox Sports, and Tubi. And um, basically, he says that total viewing of college football is up 14% across all networks through the first four weeks of the season. And he also noted that last weekend, now NFL still was king in overall ratings, but Saturday Night Football, Ohio State, Notre Dame, beat NFL Sunday night football with Pittsburgh and Las Vegas. That's crazy for Saturday night football in college to beat NFL football. That's something straight out of 1945. And the reason I say out of 1945, for those who don't know historically, the reason NFL games are on Sunday was because in the twenties, they couldn't compete with college football. And that's why they don't, they didn't put them on Saturdays, but now the NFL is king. Okay. So are we seeing a trend? Because I've said this before, People say, do you want to go to the NFL 
Um, listen, I don't think college coaches need to go to the NFL. I think a college job is every bit as good as an NFL job and maybe more difficult nowadays with the transfer portal and all that's going on. I mean, is, is it a better job to be the head coach? What's, what's the best franchise in the NFL? The best, best, like the, I would say the best run franchises. Oh, the are, best run. Are, are, okay, let's say I think the Steelers are actually one of the best run franchises. Beautifully run. They've yeah. had like four head coaches ever in our lives. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. yeah, I think. Okay. So let's say that's the best. You got the most stability. You got the most support, and the owners want to win. That's the best job. What's the best job in college football? Not to get into a long debate, but pick one. I mean, the easiest job I've always said is LSU. Okay. Right. So would you rather be the head coach of the Pittsburgh Steelers or LSU? I mean, I think that's debatable. I think back in the day, the money was so different. When I started doing this stuff, you were talking about millions versus hundreds of thousands as an assistant coach. I don't know that it's any better or worse to deal with millionaire athletes or if it's better to recruit. I mean, I think that it's both. Uh, I think they're both very challenging, but I don't think his one is better than the other. No, the only the only reason it's debatable, and you talked about this in the all season, and they're addressing this, but the work life balance for college coaches is just it's not sustainable. I mean, it's going to I don't know how they can mentally handle all of it if they're it's just brutal for college. I I've said for a while I. I have always questioned the IQ of average college football coaches, but I'm not going to question the work ethic because that's a lot of work. It's a lot of brutal work. And it's, it's also a lot of work for minimal results. Dave. Okay. You get 25 members of a recruiting class. How many hours do you spend on how many prospects that don't commit in recruiting as a college coach? Oh, thousands. Of and, hours. And most of those and most of those are wasted, aren't they? Because you especially didn't at a place like Tennessee, you start with a pool of about two hundred and fifty guys. I mean, that's insane when you start to think about that. And you have to call it down to about a hundred, and then you call it down to about fifty. But when you start, when you're recruiting uh, juniors, you're talking about easily two hundred and fifty guys. I once brought up a hundred, and somebody in the recruiting office laughed at me. They said, "Do you think that's all that we're on?" For two years, I was like, oh, my bad. And most of the guys there, of the top guys, most of the ones they're targeting aren't committing. So you're putting in all those hours, then you have to see no results. How do you mentally have the capacity to deal with that? I wouldn't have that capacity. I'm, I'm just going to be honest. If I was doing all the stuff we were doing on YouTube, all the work I'm doing every day, and I'm seeing like 10 hits a day sometimes, I would just like, I'd throw my hands up. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. And coaches so- have to deal with that. Okay, so let me ask you this. Are we on the front end of a trend? Could you see college football actually being bigger than the NFL? And your answer will be brought to you by the Hemp House, the premier hemp dispensary online with a wide variety, great selection, and strict standards to ensure the best in CBD or Delta products. Go to Hemp House Chat with two Ts.com, HempHouseChat.com. And they've got the big orange crunch. I know the writing's backwards, but they've got the big orange crunch. Use the promo code HOOKED and get 10% off. Tell me when you order that, and you would be awesome. Support our sponsors. So, Caleb, could you see a day where college football is bigger than the NFL? Yes, and I'm going to tell you why. Let me tell you why. I swear I did not think you would say that. I thought you would shut down. 
I didn't think I would either, but I'm going to give him a shout out real quick. I listened to uh, Shade and Terry. For those who don't know, he founded Rivals and 247 Sports and is founded on three uh, on a podcast two weeks ago. And he said he thinks college football is in the second inning of a rocket ship. No, not just college football, college sports is in the second inning of a rocket ship about to explode to the moon, basically. And why? I'm curious because we might have Shannon on the program. Um, why did he say that? I'm interested. So. Honestly, the 12 team playoff, I, I can't believe I'm, in, I hate to admit it because it's not what I love. I know you're for it, but it's actually going to make college football more national. A bunch of other teams will be interested because they're like, okay, you may not make the top four, but you can certainly make a 12 team playoff if you're Washington State. And so it's going to draw um, more interest. Wait just a second. Uh, Hank Kingsley, did uh, Caleb just agree with me? Hey now. Yes, the college football playoff is going to be awesome. I'm so excited for next year, and it will be bigger than the NFL playoffs eventually. And the, you're right. So there's the regular season, too. Um, it's, it's, it's not going to devalue the regular season as much as I thought it would, because while it will for the top teams, it will have more teams watching in November. On top of that, December... One of the, one of the things... And actually, Mike Leach said this before he passed away. Rest in peace. He said one of the reasons the college football playoff model was so stupid and i never thought about it until he said it college football is giving the whole month of december away to the nfl they're just giving them the month of december and finally they're saying wait a minute why are we giving them this month when we could have it or have some of it for ourselves when i used to cover it it used to be so bizarre you take a three-week break it's like it's just going g unit smith says i agree with caleb on the message board no you agree with me caleb you agree with dave finally come around and then let me read this comment from SC Scott guy. I think uh, SC can make a 12 team playoff, which makes me excited for it. Yeah, that is exciting. So programs that aren't the elite of college football, they may go in there and get not to knock on South Carolina, but they may get go in there and get pounded, but at least they're still a factor. And all of this money is, is spread. Is there an elite college football team right now? I don't think there's one elite team like there was with Georgia two years ago. We could say Georgia plays down in their competition, but Caleb, we could also say that you've spread the wealth a little bit because of NIL and transfer portal. Look at Dave loving the redistribution of wealth over here. And y'all call me the commie, but anyways, um, what I, what I will say though, there's the, here I, I left out the biggest reason it's going to explode. You think, okay. NIL. We're talking, Dave. You have NIL deals with Jacob and Cooper Mays. Jacob and Cooper Mays. There is within a few years, I think there's going to be a portal open for just individuals and people trying to start small businesses everywhere to utilize the NIL for college athletes. And there will be an explosion of interest in athletes that people put money on in college football. I think that's, I, I think there's going to be. I think you are in the I think your local bar and restaurant is going to start throwing money at some college athletes and then hope they do well just to see if they can get something out of it. And I don't think it'll just be for the local team, by the way. I think they're going to start looking at national prospects and seeing if they can. Like just, you, you know, could have a BW threes. Uh, br- uh, let's say Bryce Young could have been a BW threes guy. Is that what you're telling me? What is BW threes? Is that I'm sorry, Buffalo Wild Wings. Buffalo Wild Wings. Yeah. Yeah, you're lo- yeah, exactly. So your local restaurant may say, okay, yeah, we're not so people here are Tennessee fans, but hey, 
everybody knows Bryce Young. Maybe I could get Bryce Young to tweet something about me on Instagram or put something up about me on Instagram today. And I'll throw him a few bucks here and there. That's going to happen everywhere. I mean, people starting YouTube channels, your door-to-door salesman. It's like, if I could just get this guy to tweet about me for a minute, and then they're going to watch the game he plays. To see, I think NIL, Dave, me and you watch, hoping Jacob Warren catches a touchdown pass. Now, that's not why we're watching Tennessee, but let's not let's not pretend that that's not like helping <laughs> when he does. Yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right. And me and my wife had panic attacks uh, when Cooper and Jacob went out last year within like six plays of each other. <laughs> my wife looks at me and goes, oh, Lord, what are we going to do? It'll be fine. Yes, we want those guys to do well. So how many people are going to get their hands on NIL over the next few years, Dave, that are going to be more interested in college football than they ever were before? Just from your, your, you worked in marketing, from your knowledge in business, how, how big is that going to get? Huge. And you're right, Travis, only old people still call it BW3. For Caleb Calhoun, I'm Dave Hooker. Again, portions of the program brought to you by our friends at Zen Sports. You got to use that Zen Sports, bringing the cash back to Tennessee. Zen Sports betting just got better, and it got uh, much better thanks to our friends at Zen Sports. Zen Sports, the new sports book in Tennessee, revolutionizing the way you earn sports betting rewards. That means no more deposit bonuses that turn into deposit nightmares. On Zen Sports, what you see is what you get, and you get cash rewards program. Uh, you get a lot of cash. For a welcome bonus, earn an unlimited 5% cash back for your betting volume for your first 15 days when you use the promo code HOOKED. That's hooked. That's right. Unlimited 5% cash back. Keep betting. Keep earning with up to 3% cash back on your betting volume every month. After that, you're making money and refer friends to earn a percentage of their betting volume as cash rewards. Two, Zen Sports bringing the cash back to Tennessee. Use the promo code hooked. Hooked. So if you bet big on sports, you want to be betting on Zen Sports. Zen Sports betting just got better gambling problem. Call 1-800-889-9789. Must be 21 and over in Tennessee to bet. We will see you at 10 o'clock live on YouTube. So if you haven't turned those notifications on, do it. Hit like and subscribe for Caleb Calhoun. I'm Dave Hooker, a presentation of Off the Hook Sports. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.